what, what have you done to plan for Christmas so far? Anybody put up a tree yet? Yeah, a couple people, yeah. Uh, any lights on your house? Okay, yeah, a few. Yeah, somebody said no? Is that what somebody said back there? Uh, who's got those inflatable animatronics in their front yard? Yeah, overachievers. Look, there they are right there. So, you know, I, I tell you what, I, I'm always intrigued by uh, the people that have the time and the patience to do that. It looks great, so I'm, I'm glad that you do. Well, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, all our, our children and all of our grandchildren left, and Patty and I were able to exhale a little bit. The dogs got off the tranquilizers, and we were good, uh, you know. <laughs> I was kind of like, can I try one of those? You know, I actually asked the vet, you know, hey, no, no, I'm not going to go there. But anyway, um, so, so we decided it was time to change out all the stockings that we've had. We've had stockings for like 30 years. Now, now I don't know about you, but some of these things are treasures. You, you look at them and you get really excited about what they represent and, and all that. But they were getting worn and, and all. So Patty had this great idea. Make sure you tell her I said it was a great idea. She had this great idea that we would go to a store and we would shop for new Christmas stockings. Now, I hadn't done it in a long time, and I was totally blown away that this one store had four aisles of stockings to choose from. I mean, it was like a stocking theme park. You know, I'm looking around all this time. I mean, they had, you know, stockings that were plaid. They had some that were furry. They had others that, that had, like, faces on them and, and stuff like that. They even had one that I guess I spent a little too much time with. You'd rub it one way, it was red. you rub it another way, it was green. And I guess I'm walking around the store doing this, you know, and... Uh, Patty's like, put that down. Um, so anyway, so we, we, finally, we finally got all of our stockings. So here's the, the Martin family Christmas uh, stockings. Uh, you might see an image here. There they are, all, all in their places, ready to go. Look at that. See the ones on the left, even for our dogs. Our dogs even have stockings as well. Well, I started Christmas shopping on Thanksgiving Day. Don't know about you. I, I did a lot of online shopping. Uh, visited some of our local retailers here in Clearwater as well. Uh, it was exciting, and I bought some really cool stuff, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because, in this, yeah, I know, the surprise would get out. But, but I, as I was doing this, I was starting to um, recall uh, that we all have a process that we go through at Christmas time. Uh, but for me, as I think about Christmas and all, I really think about this season that we're in right now. You know, the Advent season is the beginning of the church calendar. It's not the end of the church calendar. It's the beginning of the new church year. And so, so what we do on Sunday mornings, for me, is really the preparation that gets us ready for the Christmas season. It's the time that we spend together. It's the hymns that we sing. It's the songs. It's the festive. It's the decorations. It's the proclamation of the word. It's listening to choirs and praise teams. It's, it's doing all of that. So it's that transformation of what happens on Sunday mornings that makes Christmas really real. And deep down, um, the prayer that I have is that, that for our children and for our grandchildren, and my prayer for all of you too, is that we understand that the greatest gift that we could ever receive is the gift of a Savior. You know, Jesus came into the world, God in flesh, and God dwelt among us and said that I'm going to give you this gift of me 2,000 years ago. This is a gift that will never wear out. This is a gift that doesn't need batteries. This is a gift that will never not, not lose its trendiness. It actually is cool all the time. And it's, and it's a gift that literally keeps on giving in everything that we can see. Um, I think it's fair also to say that, that uh, most of us prefer to find hope at Christmas time. 
You know, the, the holidays are, are kind of interesting in a way that, that we want the holidays to be filled with excitement and, and generosity and knocking it out of the park and laughter and all those things. But when we really look at it, the, the holidays, depending upon the transitional times where you are in your life, can sometimes be somewhat difficult for us. So hope is a season that we see in the Christmas time. Uh, but some of us, even though we want to experience hope, for some of us, hope is the farthest thing from our mind. In fact, as we're thinking about hope and in the Christmas of hope, peace, joy, and love, there's some of us this morning who, as we begin the Christmas season, aren't very hopeful. In fact, we're, we're kind of living through what we think life is dealing with some pretty, pretty severe blows. And we're not real hopeful about what tomorrow might bring. So it's really important for us to make sure that we see that, that, that having hope at Christmas time isn't some farce, it's not some kind of joke, but literally what we're hoping as we begin this season of Advent in this Christmas season is that we all will understand that Christmas time can be 365 days a year, that we can live Christmas every single day, that it's not just one day in a month at the end of our year, but that every day we awaken, we can truly, truly, truly celebrate the Christmas season. When I ask people, what do you want for Christmas? A lot of them will start rattling off some special gift. Well, I'm hoping to get this under the tree this year, or I'm hoping that I see that special blue box from Tiffany's, or whatever the case may be, and they, they begin to talk about those special gifts that come. But the reality of it is, is that, that it's not the gift under the tree that really we're seeking, is it? It's the gift of hope that comes in the Lord Jesus. And depending upon the circumstances that are happening in our life at the time, we may actually think that Christmas is going in an opposite direction of happiness and hope and all of those things versus the reality that we see ourselves. Now, hope is defined both as a noun and a verb. So as a noun, uh, hope is defined this way, a feeling of expectation. So you feel it in your gut, an expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. So I expect and I have a desire for something to happen. That's the noun that we see that. And we can relate to that. I mean, most of us, I think, can have an expectation that desirously something will happen in our lives. And we are hopeful that that can come. So, so hope as a noun is like a gut feeling. But the challenge with it, hope being just a gut feeling, is if what we're hoping for doesn't happen, or if what we're hoping for doesn't come, then instead of being hopeful, we can become what? Hopeless. So, so that's where the, the verb comes in. The verb of hope is defined as wanting something to happen, not expecting or desiring, but wanting something to happen and for it emphatically to be the case. Now, isn't that where I think we find ourselves, more as in that, that we emphatically want something to be the case, that we are willing to just say, it has to be this way, and I am putting all everything into that it will be answered and hope will come in the way in which I ask. But the challenge again is, what happens when it doesn't? So how do we live in that in-between section? How do we live in between the expectation of hoping something will come and, and the thought that it's definitely going to happen and therefore we're emphatically anticipating it will come? How do we live in that between time? The writer of Hebrews says it this way, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and what? The perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him did what? He endured the cross, 
scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now listen to that, death on a cross. What, what sounds hopeful about that? I mean, death on a cross, who wants to die like that? Who wants to expect that? Who wants to yearn for that? But Jesus did. And the reason he did was it because he had the hope as to going to the cross what the hope of the result would endure, that it would lead to the salvation of the world. And Jesus hoped then that that was the hope that he had in him. I think of the apostles when I think of hope. I think of the apostles who were arrested and, and they were arrested because of what they believed in. And yet, even though they were arrested, even though things they had been done to them that weren't very kind, the apostles remained hopeful. I think of uh, Paul and Silas about their journeys and, and how they were like um, beaten uh, to an inch of their life and they were thrown into the prison in Philippi. And yet, what were they doing at midnight? They were singing hymns. They were giving praises and joy and hope in God and therefore excited about what God could do. I mean, who lives a life like that? And then I think about what James, the brother of Jesus, says. James puts it this way. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy whenever you face them. So James is saying that, that we're always going to face them. And instead of facing it as it's the end of the world or the end of our rope, we must face it with joy and we must face it understanding that God brings hope in the midst of that. So even in those times of great adversity, the question becomes, what is the source of our hope? What or who is it? And we need to remember that, that adversity itself is not the, the source of hope. In fact, adversity leads to not hopefulness, not to happiness. Adversity leads to discouragement. Adversity leads to uh, pain. Adversity leads to all the things that we don't want in our lives. So adversity isn't the source of our hope. Yet next to ad adversity, we see that hope can come from that. Because in the midst of our adversity, God makes a promise. And that promise is to deliver us from the challenge in which we find ourselves. God says, I have the power, I have the ability, but more important, I have the love for you to deliver you from the challenges in which you find yourselves. We don't feel hope at times when we walk through um, adverse or discouraging times, but we can hope that God is walking with us. You know, um, there, there was this great debate on does God will pain in our lives and does God will uh, bad things? And I'm one who believes that God does not will that on us. But what I truly believe is that God walks with us through that. That when we find ourselves in the midst of those challenges, when we find ourselves in the midst of the pain, God's promise is not that he's going to do that to us, but God's promise is that I will be there for you, that I will walk with you. And in this season, I mean, isn't that what we express in the words, O come, O come, Emmanuel? Emmanuel means what? God with us. So even in this season of hope, we see the significance of God through Jesus Christ walking in the midst of our lives. If you study the word hope, as you find it in, in the scriptures, what you'll find out is, is that hope is not in something that, that, uh, that you hope to happen now. In fact, the writers always say that hope really comes this way. It's betting and seeing the reality of what God has done in the past, where God has been faithful in the past, and God's promised to be faithful in the future. Did you catch that? God has been faithful in the past, 
and God's promises to be faithful in the future. So when we look at what the scriptures say about hope, that's the definition, that hope is what God is yet to do. But we can hold on to the fact that because of God's character, because of who God is, that God has led us and led his people through some of the most difficult times that we could ever experience in our lives. And because God has done that and given hope through that, that God promises to continuously to deliver hope in all ways in which they come. The psalmist puts it this way. The psalmist says that, that God delivered him from the past, and therefore the psalmist has anticipation of the hope that God will deliver him also in the future. Listen to what the psalmist writes. Weeping may remain for a night, but what? Rejoicing comes when? In the morning. So every day is an opportunity that we see that God's renewal comes, that rejoicing fills our spirit in a very important and impactful way. But here's the solemn truth. The worst thing is never the last thing. The worst thing is never the last thing. No matter how bad things look at you right now, no matter how bad things seem to be right now, folks, it's not the last thing. It's just the current thing because God's promises of hope come through very mightily. Now, I've walked with you all for eight years as, as one of your pastors, and I can tell you that I've walked with some of you through some times that were pure hell in your lives. You had unexpected deaths. You had people in your family who, who were too young, in your opinion, to die. You had illnesses that were brought to your attention that you never would have dreamed of would come your way. You had things change the dynamics in your life because of health changes in a loved one that where you thought you'd spend your entire life with them in a happy way, now all of a sudden you feel like you're on a crash course of trying to learn with how I'm going to cope with life. I've lived through many financial crises with some of you here where, where you have literally felt like you can't even muster a penny to buy anything to eat for the day. I've lived through the hellish times of your lives. But what I've come to understand is through all of those things is that God has a promise that God says that, that no matter what you're going through, that I will always bring hope. And, and to fill your life, and that that hope is something that you can bet on, and that God promises, no matter what the world promises, God's promise is long-lasting. The world makes promises it cannot keep, but God says, the hope that I have in you is the hope for a great future. Listen to what the psalmist writes here. He says, you turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth, and you clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O oh Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. You see, it's a, it's a level of trust that we have to have. It's a level of understanding that we know that, that yet we've been through hell in our lives, but that God promises the hope that will come, a hope and trust that God will deliver each and every one of us from the challenges that we find ourselves in. And that, what that means is that the worst thing is never the last thing. I love the writings of the old prophets. If you have not spent time reading the writings of the prophets, let me encourage you to do that. You know, sometimes we think of that, that um, the, the writings of the prophets are just filled with gloom and doom, but it's quite the opposite. The writings of the prophets were, were, were writings of hope. Hope and restoration and illumination and grace and peace. And I love specifically uh, the writings of, of the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is writing to the Israelite people at the time that they have been removed from their land. So think about it for a second. Think about if someone came into our country and 
pulled you out of this country and sent you to a far off land where you couldn't speak the language, where you didn't know the culture, where you didn't know how you would survive. Just think about if someone came into this country and destroyed all the things that, that, that you held in favor, monuments and houses of worship and those kinds of things. How would you feel? You would feel abandoned. You would feel orphaned. You would feel naked. You would feel all those things. And that's exactly what happened to the Israelites. When, when the Babylonian king came in, he ransacked their temple. He destroyed it. He stopped all forms of worship. And he took the Israelites back to his land. And it's in that time that people for decades upon decades upon decades, they were wondering, where is God in all of this? When will we be able to return to our land? When will we be able to worship again? And Jeremiah is the prophet of hope. And Jeremiah comes and he says these words. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place, to bring them back to their homeland of Israel. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then uh, you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. Folks, aren't those words of hope? Of course they are. The hope that God has for that. I love that, that passage. It is a promise of hope. But what I really love most about it is this is not just some writing that was written you know, hundreds of, if not thousands of years ago, that this is a writing that lives within us today. That God says to you as you struggle during this season, as you have challenges in your life, God says, I come to proclaim hope for you. God says, I have come to deliver you from whatever is holding you captive. I have come to promise to bring you back to the land of which I have given to you. I promise to bring hope. I will restore. Now, where we struggle with this is that we want it instantaneously. So what we don't know is, does that restoration come in two days two weeks, two years. Sometimes it may come 30 years down the road, but God will always come through in his promises to bless us with a hope and with a future. And that's why Christmas hope doesn't have to come just once a year. Christmas hope can come 365 days a year, and it's God's promise to always lead us through that. The question that we run into is, what can God do with whatever it is that's happening in my life? What can God do with this? God does not bring the pain upon us, but what God will do is take the pain within us and somehow manipulate it so that good may come from that. Did you hear that? God does not bring pain upon us, but in the midst of our pain, God will somehow work and manipulate with that so that something good can come out. Something good can come from the pain or the challenge of which we find ourselves to live. So what is it? What is it that you struggle with today? What is it that you're holding on to? What is it that you're asking God to deliver you from? It's hope that you need. It's hope that comes in Christ. Believe in the promise that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world.